0: Hello, listeners. As you probably know, Advice of Yesteryear is a recurring segment on the show that's become a fan favorite. That's where I read a problem sent to an advice column long ago, and my guest and I try to come up with an answer that's a little better. And one of the columnists we most frequently go to is named Dorothy Dix. To say Dorothy Dix is no nonsense would be very generous. A lot of her advice heard today seems downright harsh. When Kristen Bell came on the show, one of Dorothy's responses was so brutal that Kristen was convinced Dorothy was actually a man pretending to be a woman. So let's set the record straight with this Dorothy Dix deep dive. Dorothy Dix was, in fact, a woman. Elizabeth Merriweather Gilmer. Sorry, Kristen. She was born in Tennessee in 1861 to a southern aristocratic family who lost a lot of their fortune during the Civil War. Elizabeth's mother died when she was a child. She didn't have much formal education and suffered a mental breakdown after years in her unhappy marriage. She traveled to Bay St. Louis on the Mississippi Gulf to recover. That's where things started to turn around for Elizabeth. She wrote stories and sketches of her life As a way to heal. And some of those stories got picked up by the newspapers. Her career was launched. Her first advice column debuted in May 1895 under the pseudonym Dorothy Dix. It was a hit. At the peak of her career, her column was printed in 273 newspapers and reached an audience of about 60 million people. Her career spanned over half a century. She was a celebrity and, at the time, the highest-paid newspaper woman in the world with a multi-million-dollar fortune at the time of her death in 1951 at age 90. She is remembered for advocating for women to become more independent but also remained loyal to the traditional conventions of a quote-unquote Southern lady. That's what we have in common, right? Dorothy, from one Southern lady to another, Thanks for your column. It's been an endless source of joy and (laughs) confusion for me, my guests, and hopefully all the listeners out there. Now, on with the show.
1: You got a great stink eye. I do. Yeah.
0: And that's just my general way that I look.
1: Well, that's just your way of being.
0: Yeah, stink eye.
1: Well, you've parlayed it into a very, very lucrative career. I can tell by your office.
0: This is Don't Ask Tig. I'm Tig Notaro. And when it comes to good advice, I am not a golden god. Today's guest is an Emmy, Critics' Choice, and Tony Award-winning actor. He starred in Justice League, Watchmen, and the Oscar-winning film Spotlight and Almost Famous. He also acts in The Morning Show alongside Yours Truly. He produces and stars in the recently released Apple TV show Hello, tomorrow. Billy Crudup, welcome to Don't Ask Tig. (laughs) Tig. Billy.
1: Tig. Billy. Tig. Tig. Thank you so much for having me. I have been waiting to do this ever since early this morning.
0: (laughs) We had some voice memos that went back and forth.
1: I thought that was our recording, and I was obviously grossly mistaken.
0: You thought that was the podcast. Was you texting me?
1: Well, we left the voice memos relaying our various Mm -hmm. concerns about one another and um, including your request for a podcast, and I relayed my concerns Mm -hmm. and enthusiasm for sharing in your podcast if that was the format, and... Here you are. Here I am.
0: One of the things that I love about you is that you love to laugh, Billy.
1: Well, I do. uh, um, Let's hear it. Well, let's find the right moment. Okay. I can't give it away for free.
0: You're somebody that, like, working with you, being on set, there's nothing more satisfying than turning and and being like, well, let me see what I can dig up with this guy. (laughs) I love laughing with you. I love making you laugh. I love seeing your happy face.
1: You've given me some considerable belly laughs.
0: Stephanie made fun of me because, like, when we showed up at that yeah. party that we were at together and I saw you, I was like, oh, oh, oh there's my boy. There's Bill. Bilbo." Beeline right to you, because I knew there was going to be some cackling, (laughs) giggling, and laughter.
1: I look forward to your company wherever I can find it, Tig.
0: Same, same. Now, it's my understanding, Billy, that growing up, you moved around a lot, and you've said that the way you fit in was being the class clown. Is that still how you position yourself in social settings, would you say? Or has it evolved
1: I think it's certainly evolved mm,
0: mm-hmm. over
1: uh, the period of time that I've attempted to become a serious actor. Mm. It didn't seem to me there was a great future for me as a class clown. Eventually, when you graduate, mm. you can't go back to class. If you do, you're trespassing. So mm-hmm. there wasn't a great forum for me to land my gems. And by the I mean, Gems.
0: Let's hear one,
1: yeah well, I need you know, I need a proper setup in a classroom setting. I will say, Richard Winfield and I, oh, we competed for a prize together in fourth grade. Are you
0: still in touch?
1: I haven't seen him in a bit, but I feel like there was some contact made around fifteen years ago. I believe he practices law okay. now in uh, Texas nice, and um I think the source of our Buffoonery, tomfoolery, was mm-hmm. that we were both tiny, easy to pass by. Sure. So we competed. Uh, I believe Kurt Kibler was the magistrate who judged whether or not either of us were rewarded the class clown prize.
0: And are you in touch with Kurt?
1: No, perk and I did serve together on the student council. He was the president, I was the vice president.
0: Is he going to be floored when, because I know he's listening.
1: Oh, here was one of my great, uh, this was on the campaign trail when I was stumping for vice president of the sixth grade. I said, now I'm not going to promise you that I can produce Coca-Cola out of the water fountains. Huh? (laughs) Huh?
0: Um, Yeah, 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 that's good.
1: But I will be present at each and every meeting.
0: And is that what everybody was interested in, was Coca-Cola out of the water fountains? In my
1: imagination, I, I, I would think any bureaucratic mind, you would want a sort of, especially in sixth grade, some kind of Willy Wonka factory.
0: Yeah, you don't care if you have rotten teeth. Who's thinking about teeth in the sixth grade? That's your parents' problem. Yeah, exactly. You know what's weird about what happens when you get rotten teeth? What happens? They get a crown. Which seems like you shouldn't get such a positive thing.
1: You're reinforcing.
0: Your rotten tooth is crowned for being rotten.
1: I confess I, I have bought into this scheme. I do have a crown. Oh, Billy. Yes, did.:
0: We've talked about your father. You've described him as a hustler, a loan shark, a bookie filled with hope and optimism, but also insecurity Remember I told you my father had like a knife in his cowboy boot and all that kind of stuff?
1: Yeah. My dad liked to carry a nine millimeter from time to time and uh, sawed off shotgun next to his bed. And there was always a bit of charm around it. Mm -hmm. If I had observed it from an alternate point of view, I would realize when my dad was going on a pickup for what he would call a deadbeat um, on my way to soccer practice. And uh, he was riding with his colleague, Mr. O, who had a pit bull named Bullet. This is a six foot four former boxer, and told me to wait in the car and listen to some Santana on the eight track while they went up to the door. And I, I would watch he and Mr. O have kind of pleasant conversation and then move their jackets sort of to the side as one does in a Yeah. It seemed like that was a threatening environment. Yet when he would get back in the car and mm-hmm. drop Mr. O off, we'd go back and he would coach our soccer team. So there was an air of This is all fine. Don't worry.
0: How do do you feel like that shaped you into who you are today?
1: Oh, there's a great question. That is a terrific... Well, one wonderful thing about my dad was he was very curious about people. He loved people and he was interested in people from all walks of life. So that level of curiosity and enthusiasm in, in the face of what might be alarming obstacles... I suppose has shaped some of my curiosity in people probably most closely associated with my work and the kinds of parts that I'm interested in but needless to say if you're part of um the entertainment business as you well know you're on the road a lot the carnival life is is not for everyone no you occasionally have to manage some rather complex interpersonal experiences yes the number of times we'd be on a road trip and my dad would say all right it's a uh, three day weekend. I'm sure the holiday in is booked up. Let I me mean, just go to the front desk and you guys follow my lead. How you doing? Tom Crude up here. Got my uh, oldest here. That's uh, Quattro. He's number four. We call him the Quart- Quatro, Tommy Crude up the fourth. That's Billy, disco in the middle. Uh, and Brooks, he's bringing up the <laughs> rear. Now we have a, uh, my secretary, I'm sure made a reservation under <laughs> the uh, name of Crude up. If you could be so kind as to check. And then uh, he'd look back at us and say, look sad sad I was very <laughs> as I said before small and skinny it was easy for me to feign malnutrition and um, when the reservation wasn't there and they were overbooked he'd say ah oh, God ga it I mean wow is it I mean anything in the area yeah you got a connection with a best western and said, I'm so sorry let me see what I can do and needless to say 10 minutes later we'd be uh, saddling up to a day's end the very comfortable two queen beds. It was charming.
0: And this is where it comes full circle. Guess whose father was a security guard at the Days Inn? <laughs> I, I knew this we'd guy! worked together before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My father was a security guard there.
1: Holy cow. Hello. Well, I'd be surprised if they hadn't encountered one another. Yeah. But, you know, that kind of experience, if it doesn't traumatize you to the point of leaving you without any skills, I think builds a sense of, Um, capability, managing some Mm -hmm. awkward positions.
0: Yeah, I feel capable. I bet you do. Billy. Go, Ted. My man. You told the New York Times that now that you've established the career that you hope for, you're less concerned about protecting your personal life as tightly as you have most of your career. In that case, would you share some very juicy personal details with me and my listeners.
1: (laughs) I'd be more than happy to, as long as they're about the characters that I play.
0: Wow. Okay.
1: Historically, I'm happy to talk about some of the details of my early life growing up on the road. My present day life... (sighs) Zipped up. Let me tell you, it just leads to a public conversation. And uh, I don't want to speak for anybody else that... I'm currently involved with in any way. I actually did bring up my brothers. So, never mind. Yeah.
0: Never <laughs> mind. No, we're not getting anything out of this. All right. It's time to give my listeners some advice, Billy. Give it to me. Given that you're a critically acclaimed stage actor, and I'm not, I figured I could count on you to guide one of my younger listeners in their pursuit. Of theatrical excellence.
1: I'd love to help. Absolutely.
0: All right. Lila writes, Hey, Tig, I'm starring in my eighth grade production of Clue as the mysterious and possibly murderous butler Wadsworth. I want to do the best job I can do being as enigmatic and melodramatic as possible. Besides memorizing my lines, what acting advice can you and your guests provide?
1: Did you want to start? I mean... You've been on stage before. You understand a little bit of work in an audience.
0: Yeah, but Billy, you're, you're the guy. You're the actor's actor.
1: Let's start with Lila. Lila, keep the name. It's a great stage name. Lila is perfect. Mm-hmm. That's where I would start. Okay. Secondly, don't think about the result, Lila. Think about the event. So the way to be inscrutable on stage is to think about all the different things that the character has in mind. So while you're busy thinking about all those different things, the audience will be watching you thinking unclear precisely what you're considering, and you will become enigmatic to the audience. However, if you try to act as though you're being enigmatic, what will be going through your head is a pantomime of somebody who is in the midst of an an, an an enigma, you try to say that, an enigma. That's impossible, and it's not interesting. Think about what the story requires, Lila. Always start there. And I imagine if you were a butler in a murder mystery, you probably had something to do with it. And you're probably thinking about covering your tracks. So you should consider mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. who's on to you, who's not on to you, and how you're going to get out of it in each circumstance. And that amount of thinking in silence the audience will pick up as uh, enigmatic and you will have achieved your goal as butler.
0: I mean, Lila.
1: Does that help, Lila?
0: Billy once portrayed 19 different characters in a single (laughs) one-man play. Listen to his (laughs) advice. Stick
1: with the story, Lila. Always the story first, never the results.
0: And Billy, you know none of that is going on in my head when I'm acting.
1: I know, we have different approaches. (laughs) You also... Are In front of a a live audience, how many days a year?
0: Well, last year I did a 70-city tour, but I also did local shows, and so it's a lot.
1: 70-city tour. So, yeah, you definitely know the carnival life Mm -hmm. and a day's in security guard from another. Mm -hmm.
0: All right. Break a leg, Lila. And speaking of taking breaks, we are going to take a break ourselves.
1: Okay. All right. Terrific.
0: Billy will be back shortly. To answer more questions. If you're shopping while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast, then you know and love the thrill of the hunt. But are you getting the thrill of the best deals? Rakuten shoppers do. They get the brands they love with the most savings and cash back you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Macy's, Sephora, and Zappos, and even stack deals on top of cash back. It's easy to use and you get your cash back through PayPal or check. The idea is simple. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers, and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. We're back. Billy, this question involves three hot button issues roommates, money, and veganism. <laughs> Why, why would you laugh <laughs> at this? Are, those are the
1: hot button issues of today. I was thinking of more of Ukraine and nuclear war and balloons. And, no,
0: no, no, Okay, no, no.
1: Roommates. What do we got? Roommates, hot dogs, and veganism.
0: Money, roommates.
1: And corn dogs.
0: And veganism. All right.
1: Roommates, money.
0: How dare you? Sophie writes, the water at my apartment complex went out. My roommates and I were unable to bathe or flush toilets for two days. Mm. Um, Go to Burning Man.
1: Perfect training.
0: I was going to say, it probably goes on a lot in Billy's studio apartment. Listen, that's
1: just Um, saving resources. Okay, Tig.
0: Our apartment managers were great. They provided porta-potties and bottles of water. And when the crisis was over, they even dropped off $25 gift cards for a local pizzeria to each apartment. Now, my three roommates are vegan. I am not. I was not home when our gift card arrived, but one of my roommates texted me this. Hey, the $25 gift card is here, but we've contacted the pizzeria and they have no vegan options. So we thought you could use the gift card yourself and pay us $25 to go get something vegan. So here's my question. Is this proposal okay or seriously not okay? What's your feeling, Billy? I mean...
1: This is uh, an ethics question.
0: I mean, veganism is also an ethics
1: question. Absolutely. What the landlord is providing is compensation for being put out by the experience, right? Mm -hmm. So everybody's entitled to the equal compensation.
0: Toilets and cash. (laughs) Toilets and pizza.
1: Some of the greatest compensatory... (laughs) Moves have been toilets and cash historically.
0: <laughs> no, it's toilets and pizza.
1: And pizza, cash for pizza. Yeah. The question is, yeah, would the landlord be willing to provide compensation for someone who might not be interested in pizza? And I think the question should be put to the landlord whether or not they can provide the $25, mm-hmm. not whether or not their roommate's. Lovely and shady as they may be, are entitled to her gift mm-hmm. card because they may not use it.
0: Here's my feeling. Give it to me. I would tell the landlord, "Hey, you know what? No porta potty for this apartment. <laughs> Give us the cold hard cash, and we will find someplace else to um, to do what. You're shaking your head. You know, whatever you do in a porta potty. Do you use porta potties? I have,
1: but give me an option of what what would be another option?
0: Well, I'm just thinking there's more cash to be had. How many so days just... do
1: you have to hold it?
0: <laughs> well, you can go places like restaurants or something.
1: You probably have to buy something.
0: You could go to the pizzeria.
1: Yeah, and they'd say, sure, you can use it. It's for customers only. And you go, okay, no problem. I'll just have um a bottle of water, please. And they'll say two fifty. And so you got about ten trips. So how many times do you go to the bathroom, and how long is the water out? I would say, do you need a spreadsheet for this, Tig? I don't think that's a viable option. I think you got to take the porta, you got to take the porta potties. Let's just start there, bare bones.
0: Okay. Well, I don't like porta potties. Like I. I would rather wear an adult diaper,
1: I think both are great options.
0: you love porta potties and adult diapers in
1: in the face of bladder issues or public defecation, I think it seems to be
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, a better alternative, just imaginatively, mm-hmm. yeah, also too. if they provided porta potties,
0: yeah,
1: is, is that for the use for the whole building uh, the different apartments in it? how many porta potties do we have?
0: Yeah, this is the frustrating part of Don't Ask Tig is we can't have any follow-up
1: questions,
0: you know? We just have to work with what we have. I hate
1: leaving her in the lurch.
0: I know. I don't know what to tell Sophie. I'm not good at math problems. This is a math problem.
1: I would say, I appreciate your offer. I'll take the gift certificate and I'm going to return it to the landlord myself and explain the dilemma.
0: Okay. Sophie, congratulations on your plumbing and your pizza.
1: Oh, I'm feeling like we're on a roll. I really do I feel like we're we're saving lives
0: (laughs) we really are we
1: may have gotten off to a slow start but now it's now it's cooking between Lila no no there was
0: no there's there's no slow starts when I'm involved (laughs) I am (laughs) how dare you how dare you take a laughter break from the man who said to me once on set I love to laugh
1: I did not say that. There is no way. <laughs> that did not sound like something I would say at all. Okay. Who who else can we help?
0: You did. Okay. This next question comes to us from a native of the Sunshine State. Oh. Rin writes, I'm originally from Florida, and since I moved to Denver, I have found myself being asked to defend my home state. Mm. There is this notion that Florida is a lawless swampland filled with colorful people and dangerous wildlife, which is true, but I like that about Florida. Mm. How do I defend Florida with dignity? Look, you know, you're Southern, right?
1: Listen, I've spent a lot of time in Florida. I've got a lot of Floridian roots.
0: But aren't you like North Carolina or something?
1: That's my father's side. My mother's side is all Florida.
0: Okay, all right. Before
1: that, New Jersey.
0: Okay, not very Southern. But I'm originally from Mississippi, and it's Mm -hmm. very Southern. And I think that what's helpful is it's not like defending Florida. I think it's more so maybe painting a picture of what you come from, where you come from, who you come from, the things that that make you so fond of the maybe... The, the parts of the country that people kind of just put this blanket idea around or over and they just are like, oh, that place is terrible. These people are horrible. And it's like, well, not everyone and everything about, you know, each state. Or- uh, this is a
1: very evolved way of thinking. And I, I have to say, uh, as someone who's encountered you before, I'm I'm so happy to see the growth that's taking place here.
0: Well, thank you, Billy.
1: You're right, though. You can object to some of the laws that Mm -hmm. uh, perhaps the current administration or bureaucracy is pushing through, Mm -hmm. but to categorize a single state, I mean, it's a pretty big state. There's a lot of people in there.
0: There's so many people.
1: I wouldn't want to categorize any group of people in any particular way, especially vegans.
0: Thank you, Billy.
1: Okay, they're not one kind of vegan.
0: No, there's many different kinds of vegans.
1: Some of them are nice.
0: Some of them, yes.
1: Yeah. Same with Floridians,
0: right, and Mississippians, and
1: Mississi- and New
0: Yorkers, New Yorkers, and there are some. You're talking to one. Uh, yes, I am talking directly to a terrible person, <laughs> but I do think that you know I run into this all the time with loving my family and my town and my experiences yep. and my upbringing, and I mean, sure, there was some rough stuff too, but sure, I really appreciate the good. Of where I'm from. And I think personalizing it rather than making it all about alligators and heat and maybe political parties that you don't agree with isn't the way to go because there's something personal everywhere.
1: I mean, if you actually think about Florida, if you, if, if you spend a lot of time in Florida, the northern part of Florida isn't florida it's the south it's the deep south yeah the middle part of florida there's a tremendous amount of industry and south florida there's, a, there's enormous change and uh immigration and old institutions there and then you get to the keys for pete's sake mm-hmm. and that, that's a whole nother grouping of people so i wouldn't be able to categorize florida as one kind of state
0: yeah there's a lot going on and it's very beautiful
1: Though some of the videos that people post about, you know, what Floridians done today, they're pretty good. I didn't know, I, you should know, I graduated from high school in Fort Lauderdale.
0: Oh, look at you.
1: And uh, I spent some time in Coral Gables. My mom is from Gainesville. My uh, great-grandfather was a professor at the University of Florida. So I, I've got a lot of Florida ties.
0: One of the best shows, I would say, in the top three of my tour last year was Fort Lauderdale. Hands down, one of the best shows of my entire tour.
1: Well, give me some bullet points. uh, Open Bar, what was the...
0: What made it good?
1: Yeah, because I know a lot of people in Fort Lauderdale.
0: I would like to think there were some special folk in the audience, and we connected. Me as a comedian and this group of people, we were jiving. And I just really like to put it out there that as tricky as some places and people can be there are others that are not and maybe they're stuck there for family or they have financial reasons they can't get out or they simply they love where they live and so you just can't do these blanket statements on towns or states
1: i agree and can we be accepting of uh, all of the different kinds of humanity that america has to offer particularly in florida as long as it's not you know destructive or yeah. diminishing to any group of people, I would say the more people we welcome into the great tent of American Florida, the better.
0: Here, here. All right, Ren. You make Florida proud. Best of luck to you. Billy, our last listener question comes from what? Sarah. I know. Just like that. Look, we'll have to go back to okay. voice texting. Okay. <laughs> Sarah writes <laughs> my five-month-old seems to enjoy being around my husband more than me, and I'm so jealous. What should I do? Um, Listen, my sons are six and a half, and this is how I start out my entire show that I've been touring around with. Hands down, Stephanie is the most popular person in our mm. family. Mm. And it's just like... No, that's true. You're saying it's true that Stephanie is the most popular?
1: Well, just from my experience.
0: You like her more than you like me?
1: I'm just in terms of popularity.
0: Oh, how dare you, (laughs) Billy. Listen, (laughs) what can I tell you? Uh,
1: You know, Steph's a charmer and an old time Bill Crudup fan, okay? So how can she not be the most popular for me? Okay,
0: but I...
1: You're terrific. I am. And you give me an occasional belly laugh. I
0: understand my hair does look like this, but... And I
1: love your acting process.
0: But... I'll have you know, does it not give me any points that you in Almost Famous was like my dream man?
1: Major points. Major? Major. Okay. Just because she is more popular. And
0: I'll say, you in Almost Famous, not her dream guy. So no,
1: what, more points man, for me. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Yeah, by the way, mm-hmm. you're, you're neck and neck. Yeah. Just because she's more popular doesn't mean that both of you aren't incredibly popular.
0: Okay, but you like her more.
1: So, to your listeners' question, mm-hmm. to your listeners' question, just because he's more popular doesn't mean that both of them aren't popular. And how old is this infant? Five months. Five months. So I would say give it a little time yeah. to you know teach him about cash and then start laying out on the down low a little bit of extra allowance oh boy this is know.
0: this is daddy crude up talking this is I'm the influence
1: saying, hey listen i don't know nothing from nothing i don't know where this 20 came from but just a little <laughs> something to say i appreciate you and daddy's good he's fine
0: he's listen, we all. well like there's him. that terrible advice that billy just okay. gave and then okay let me tell you how i feel yeah give it to me as the least popular person in my house i will say yes there's moments where i go ah I wish I was the most popular, but also I have been told (laughs) I've been waiting six and a half years that it ebbs and flows with. uh,
1: (laughs) Wait, wait. Do you mean like a cycle of cicadas every 17 years? Is that what you're waiting for? You know,
0: different parents become popular at different times. I I am still waiting for six and a half years. I'm still waiting.
1: The teens. Yeah. That's your time to shine.
0: Yes. Or on my deathbed. We will see. But also, It is a joy to see my sons absolutely love their mommy so much. So I would say keep in mind Billy's terrible advice, you know, throw some cash.
1: No, that's a wonderful point. Actually, I'm all behind you. Nope, I retract my advice about the cash offer. I think celebrating the children's love for the parent is the exact right thing. That buys you some joy, too. Yeah. It tamps down the jealousy a bit. And then you're biding your time for the moment when it takes time to shine.
0: (laughs) Come on, one day.
1: And then you've got some advice for Stephanie at that point, which is be happy that our children are happier with me.
0: Well, and then I'm sure she would like some days that they're not following her around the house all day, every day, you know, so it'll all even out. I'm sure, I'm sure. It is tough
1: to be the popular kid. That's another great point. It's tough to be the popular yeah,
0: kid. Yeah, that's how I'm living life, you know?
1: Yeah, Now you get to kind of lurk around the shadows. That's not the exact right phrase that I was looking for, but you get my point. <laughs> yeah,
0: I I don't want to be remembered as the parent that's lurking around the shadows, but thank you, you Billy. You get
1: my point, though. <laughs> What was mom like? Ah, oh, she was always lurking in lurking. the shadows. yeah.
0: Huh. All right. Well, Sarah, Billy, and I prefer you to your husband. When you When you say
1: one hundred percent, what's his name? Who cares? Does she say
0: who cares? Is my feeling? Greg. Yeah, the guy didn't even need a name. Ugh, Sarah. All right. Hope that advice helps, Billy. There's one last thing we need to do before I let you go. Okay. I chose especially for you. Oh. Advice of yesteryear. Terrific. When Jerry brags about taking Ginny out, he learns that she dates all the boys. So as we see now, menstruation is just one routine step in a normal and natural cycle.
1: How do you choose a date? Well, one thing you can consider is look.
0: I did everything you said, but my boss still hasn't asked me to lunch. This is where we take a real question from an advice column of yesteryear and try to answer it a little better. Like a Dear Abby or something like that? That's right. You seem excited.
1: Oh Yeah, I love these. Yeah,
0: people enjoy this segment. Okay, this question was sent to Dorothy Dix back in January 1934. Oh, my God. I know. Talk about deathbeds. <laughs> Dear Miss Dix, Why is it that my husband is so quiet and never has a word to say at home, but if we go anywhere or anyone comes into our house, he seems to do all the talking and joking, and as soon as we're alone, he relapses into silence. He is the same way about children. Our boy mustn't make any noise, and his father is always finding fault with him, yet he plays and jokes with other children. Signed, B.F., Billy, before I tell you what Dorothy Dick said about this, what's your feeling? What do you have to say?
1: Well, before you got to the point about him chastising his children, Mm -hmm. and I was going to say that perhaps he feels safest at home. You have been a part of providing such a calm foundation that he feels comfortable enough to recede from the energy it takes to entertain mm. other people, but when you brought up the chastising thing, yeah, it made me feel like a guy was a, d-t. and I would say perhaps it's time for you to reevaluate the nature of your relationship and talk openly about the state of. Your living there that makes his behavior difficult to tolerate.
0: Very, very well spoken, Billy. Thank you. I'd like to share with you what Dorothy Dick said in January of 1934 Nobody can explain this peculiarity of husbands, BF. They are just that way. <laughs> <laughs> That's the
1: end of it? <laughs> That's the end. That's essentially saying the institution of marriage is corrupt and problematic, uh, social contract. Is <laughs> that's a grin and bear it. That's the old shut up, don't worry about it. Everybody's grumpy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Boy, I'm, I'm gonna hold on to that. You know one. what it it's reminds me of? It reminds me of this advice column years ago when Stephanie and I first got together, and it was so sad slash funny like this. Uh, And of course, there's nothing funny about this poor little boy who is now an adult or maybe also dead.
1: Uh, A great-grandfather. Yeah, Yeah,
0: great-great-grandfather. But this woman wrote in about her husband just always ignoring her and just watching TV and drinking and whatever. And when she confronted her husband about it, his response was, well, I'm here, ain't I? And the advice columnists agreed, like, well, yeah, at least he's home. At least you have someone. And so now Stephanie and I, when we are just in, like, <laughs> the darkest, worst place of our lives or relationship over these past 10 years, we'll just turn and be like, well, I'm here, ain't I? And it's just, like, bottom of the barrel. Like, I haven't walked out the door makes us laugh.
1: I I actually think there is something foundational about that that you're probably right. Perhaps if it's not phrased so caustically and aggressively, you might get a little more leverage out of it. But I do think presence over time is probably useful.
0: Well, sure. But we're also saying it in a funny way of like...
1: I was talking about them being caustic. Yes. We'll use the language. It was all in the ain't. (laughs) The ain't told a whole story. There was a whole socio-political uh, dynamic with the ain't. It's
0: uh, What are you complaining about? I'm eating pizza and drinking beer and watching TV at home, ain't I?
1: But if I had said, well, sweetheart, I'm here. I perhaps am not as um, <laughs> right. open and effusive all day long, but it's because I need to retreat sometimes. And this is my safest place because you've provided me with a relationship that allows for my most full humanity to blossom forth.
0: Yes, and this man in January of 1934 was not able to express that at all.
1: God, I wish we would have been able to talk.
0: I know. I wish we had the podcast going back then, but... (sighs) Or
1: we were recording today. Mm. Either one would have helped people.
0: (laughs) That's true. Billy. Tig. That's the end of the podcast.
1: For this week. What time next week?
0: Yeah. Whenever is good for you. Okay. Because I still try and just morph you into your face looking like almost famous.
1: Oh, can I put a filter on? Truly, there's got to be a filter. A Russell Hammond filter. Yeah,
0: it's a dreamy guy. Actually, you know what? I even talk about in my stand-up that I'm about to shoot a special for. What? I talk about mustaches that go like your almost famous mustache.
1: Uh, Well, listen, we stole that from James Taylor. James Taylor had the mustache. We just, uh, we stole it.
0: Well, and you nailed it. You nailed it.
1: Thanks. I appreciate that.
0: It was an absolute pleasure to have you. And you were a real curveball to not only end up working with, but being like, I love that guy.
1: The feeling's mutual. Uh, I confess having enjoyed your uh, work on the stage, getting a chance to meet you and work with you. Um, it was surprisingly enjoyable.
0: I was surprised as well. Endlessly surprised. And do you have anything that you would like to mention to the listeners to, to promote or encourage? Or I think we covered it all. You said
1: everything, didn't you?
0: Your new Apple show, my new
1: Apple show. Hello tomorrow, and
0: then your your old Apple show,
1: my old Apple show, which will be new again with Tig Notaro, yeah, and a guy named John Ham. I don't know if you've heard of him. I've. Heard we got a a murderer's row coming at you in season three.
0: Season three.
1: yeah. At Stephen Fry for Pete. Pete's sake! Come yeah. on.
0: Yeah, that's your phrase, huh? Pete's sake.
1: For Pete's sake! For crying out yeah. loud! Come yeah. on! Come on! All right. Come on. God.
0: Billy, I hope that I get to see your mug soon. And, oh, I'll be uh, out in L.A. Hey,
1: when, uh, when you're torn and you breeze through uh, the Northeast, give old Bill a shout.
0: I'm going to be taping my special right in New York.
1: Well, we'd love to come see it for a discount. Okay.
0: All right. Well, Billy, I'll uh, I'll see you very soon. And uh, tell anyone who cares that I said hello.
1: I most certainly will, Tig. And right back at you, especially your wife.
0: Okay. All right. Thanks, Billy. Thanks, Tig. To your heart. Don't Ask Tig is hosted by me, Tig Notaro. It's produced by Thomas Ouellette and Shayna Deloria. Our executive producer and editor is Beth Perlman. Engineering and sound mixing by Alex Simpson. Digital production by James Napoli. Talent booking by Marianne Ways. Production support from Maria Wirtel. Our theme music is Friend in Tig by Edie Brickell and Kyle Crusham. And Listen to Your Heart by Edie Brickell. Special thanks to Hunter Seidman. APM Studios executives in charge are Chandra Kavati, Alex Schaffert, and Joanne Griffith concept developed by tracy mumford our executive consultant is dean capello and gobsmack studios you can always ask for advice at donasktig.org. just write in with your problem or send us a voice memo remember to follow us on social media at don't ask tig don't ask tig is a production of american public media and as always thanks dana and i'll tell becky